anyway, but they literally said, come and take it. And the government's trying to come, and in some cases, they took it, but they didn't take it, because what happened was a beautiful thing. All right, more true believers were added to the church in Canada because of it, because of the stand, you know? Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where you're joining us for episode 68 tonight. We'll be doing an episode titled Courage versus Conformity. We'll be juxtaposing a few writings from two different pastors, and I believe we'll be able to very clearly juxtapose the two qualities of courage versus conformity adequately tonight, don't you say, Jesse? Wouldn't you say we'd be able to do that? Yeah, let's just say it's the story of a Billy and a Tim. <laughs> oh, but Tim is a Billy. Tim is... Steven? Not that Tim. Not the, Oh, different Tim, right. I know. Yeah. I know you. Yeah. Uh, well, I know the Tim. I have what you'd call the the writer's omniscience. I've, yes, I've written do. the entire story. I know what's going coming next. But yep. uh, well, I'm just throwing stuff down. That's so. fine. It's not a problem. But we have a special guest in the studio with us tonight. We have one, I don't know what to call him, to the people. <laughs> pretty, sure it's just, pretty sure it's just Pops. We call him Pops. I don't know what else to call him. I think that's just what his name is. He even had his... Uh, Never fear, Pops is here t-shirt on last night at the baseball game. Oh, there's a shirt for that? Oh, yeah, there's a shirt for that. And that was today at the soccer game, wasn't it? So, Pops, how you doing? How you doing? Doing all right? Everything is wonderful. Can't wait to dive into this conversation. This sounds exciting. I am neither a Billy nor a Tim. Or maybe I'm both. I don't know. Oh, you're definitely a Billy. 100% a Billy. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, that, I, I mean, I yeah, definitely. I, I do have identity issues. I don't know how to identify. Maybe you guys no, can help me with that. We have an episode for that. Uh, we have several. We had several <coughs> tea-based episodes <laughs> that had. Let's not go there now. Okay, we'll stay focused. All right, we want to stick to we want to stick to what we got going on here. So, um, I believe it was this past. No, it was this over the weekend, or was it this past week that the letter was released? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh, just a couple of days ago. Over this past, I mean, well, we're recording on the 30th, so. It was this past week, like 27th, 28th, 29th. You think he sent it off? And uh, this is the this is a le- open letter to uh, one Prime Minister Trudeau, and among others, <laughs> it's uh, got his name right on it. And it came from uh, Reverend. Oh, it did have multiple people on the letter. Well, now I'm going to have to open up the letter. Y- yes, you are. <laughs> you definitely should. <laughs> The Right Honorable Justice Trudeau, PC, MP, Prime Minister of Canada, Langevin Block, Ottawa, Ontario, K1A0A2. And it's written to no one else. Really? So Just him. Why don't you go ahead and. I will not apologize. <laughs> I'm, I'm trumping down on this. I, 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 no. Wait, no. Are we talking about you Trump say, tonight, too? Say sorry right now. <laughs> That was a horrible Trump. I apologize. I don't do Trump. <laughs> so, so wow. Bad. Just wow. Can you do Trudeau? Did he have a stroke? Trudeau? It's easy to do Trudeau. You just go like this. Well, today I think oh, we're just no. going to announce some sort of stupid thing. And I'm going to take away everybody's freedom and power. It's going to be mine forever. I'm sorry. Christians are stupid. That's about it. it. You had a little too much rasp, though. 
Well, I think, well, today what we're going to say is that I like China. China's a great place, even though it's a dictatorship, and uh, they're able to turn their economy and steal freedoms and, uh, you know, imprison Uyghurs, and that's what I'm going to do to Christians. Yeah, so I I found the tweet. So it is to Justin Trudeau, but he did CC members of the opposition party in it as well when he sent it out. So I was wrong in a sense, but at the same time, it was sent to multiple people. I have the tweet right here. Well, your tweet is one thing. The PDF of the actual letter that was written is another, isn't it, now there? Moving right along. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, so, um, this this letter is very well written. Uh, and I, what, I, what I really like about it is it's concise. It's not like a 13-page document where you're going to have to, like, arduously pick through it. Um it it's it's to the point and reverend steven brain steve brainbridge really just smacks uh trudeau around for what he has done and uh and gets out and uh he gives him clear actionable points upon which he can make changes and uh and calls him to make those changes or mosey on down the road this will be our picture in courage and we will dive into the letter with some specific quotes and kind of talk about what he brings out, what he cites is some of the, well, the main issue uh, in leadership and, uh, and, and what needs to be done to, to fix it. And uh, we'll go from there. So that'll be our, that'll be our, let's call it our picture in courage. And then we'll go to our picture in conformity where, oh man, super recently, Tim Keller just, just, just jumped right into the hot seat himself and <laughs> did it all by his lonesome. And, uh, Went to the social medias to uh, talk about. <laughs> he went to the social medias to talk about uh, how you know politics is just divisive, and we shouldn't divide over politics in in Christianity. And Christian Christians should just be united and just leave politics to the side because the Bible doesn't have anything to say apparently about politics. In which case, I what we'll find is just a wonderful uh, picture in conformity, conforming to the. Spirit of the world. And I ain't got no time for that. Agreed. But let's start with the courage. Amen. Courage. It is the the chief of all virtues. Uh, for, from, for from it flows all of the virtues. You must first have courage in order to take up the other virtues. <laughs> courage. Wow. If I were king of the forest... <laughs> Not prince. That's exactly not it. duke. Not earl. No, no, no. No, is that not it? Not prince. Not duke. Not squire. <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure earl. it's squire. It's earl. It's definitely earl. It's earl. Oh, man. It's earl. Earl, because I remember <laughs> I had a friend named Earl and he didn't like that. I should ref- I should definitely defer to you on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, this is before your day. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely. All right. Starting with, uh, how did you say that, Jesse? Courage? Oh. Courage. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, just a just a few a few quick quotes. To start it out, um, Reverend Stephen Baybridge in his letter to Prime Minister Trudeau highlights what he sees as the main issue right off the bat. We were we were all wrong, actually. It's if I were the king of the forest, not queen, not duke, not prince. Oh wow. My legal robes of the forest would be satin, not cotton, not chintz. Wow, my friend Earl got mad for nothing. 
I'd command each thing, be it fish or fowl, with a wolf and a wolf and a royal growl. As I, wow. And we're done with that. Okay. So the first issue that Reverend Steve Bainbridge um, articulates in his open letter to Prime Minister Trudeau is that the issue is is uh, selfishness, and selfishness we can I think we can all agree is just not a good quality for a public servant. True. I agree. Oh, good. We're all in agreement here. <laughs> it's not a good quality for a public servant. A servant's right in the title of a person who is inside of uh, the, the political sphere. You're supposed to be serving the people um, as opposed to a tyrant. Although we do know um, from his statements about eight years ago that Justin Trudeau does like the tyrants. Uh, we'll just leave that alone for now. Maybe we'll come back to that at the end. Um, but he, he does a juxtaposition between previous good prime ministers and and Trudeau and how he has led since 2015. And he cites the the names of several of the previous prime ministers coming in prior to Trudeau. Joe Clark, Joe Turner, obviously Trudeau's father, Brian, Mul- Brian Mulroney, Kim Campbell, Jean Chrétien, Paul Martin, Stephen Harper. Um, he cites these men as having actually had a love for Canada because, and this is a quote from the letter, they put aside their religious and political differences to have an open debate and dialogue under the banner of free speech, which provided the growth and desire for others to belong to such a a country. And I think what his point is here is saying is that at least there was the opportunity under leaders who who you may not have agreed with to voice your concern and have a dialogue um, and that's important. That's it's very important uh, for for a culture that's going to live as uh, any form of republic or democracy um, or whatever weird parliament thing you got going on. <laughs> whatever that. Yes, uh, I believe it's like a a monarch slash uh, just like free for all. <laughs> Whoever wants it gets it, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Most tyranny wins up there. It seems like. Is it like a cage match where there's just a bunch of like a? It's like a royal rumble. The last one standing. A royal rumble. No, there, there's literally no violence in Canada unless it is directed to the free peoples oh. uh, that, that are attempting to protest. It's the only violence allowed in Canada. Oh, that's so sad. Wow. But uh, yeah, no, it, it is sad. No, it's basically like we're the conservative party. We love gay people. We love being gay. We love, we love forcing other people to be gay. But those Christians, oh, those naughty Christians. <laughs> those Christians don't think that homosexuals should be wed before God and the state, and that is just a s- evil bigotry. So we must silence them and put them under our thumb. Foot, boot, jackboot. Oh, I went there. <laughs> um, so... So his point in citing these previously these previous prime ministers is that they allowed for the dialogue to occur, um, and, th- and then then he he had, he pushes down, drills down on on what what he's trying to say here about Trudeau particularly. He says, "quote However, since 2015, you sir have attacked Canadian citizens." That you swore to serve. Perhaps you do this out of the insufficient ability to lead. So you rely on your experience as a drama teacher, hoping that you can fool many Canadians as you serve yourself and not them. 
And so by not allowing for the free exchange of ideas and the vocalization of uh, opinions that are in antithesis to the ruling, well, to Trudeau, <laughs> that um, he is trying to to crush the ability of citizens to interact with their government. And so the sense of desiring to even belong to the country of Canada is eroding because Trudeau himself is only serving himself and not trying to serve the actual Canadians that he is to oversee and care for. There's definitely no other political leaders that are like that around in our time. Yes, no. No, Really? Yeah, I can't can't think of any. All right, right, guys, do we have a parallel going on in our country right now? (laughs) In any way, shape, or form about uh, a dictatorial way to stifle people of religious, you know... Um, persuasion. Oh, you're talking about Elon Musk because he bought Twitter. Is that what you're? Well, you're I saying? mean, no. That's well. That's <laughs> and everyone went And don't we have? Don't we here in the states um, have uh, a a committee or a department? I guess being developed by our administration currently uh, for disinformation. Watch out, guys, because it's here in our states already, just like it is. To our northern brothers and sisters, it's here. Wake up, everybody. Hello. Yeah. 1984 was supposed to be a warning, not a playbook. That's for sure. Yeah. In case we're any of our Canadian friends hadn't caught this, uh, in the Department of Homeland Security, uh, there was developed uh, just, I believe, we're talking like past couple of months, it's been formalized now. So we have the Department of Myths and Disinformation Governance Bureau Board. Governance Board? GB. I know it's GB. I did the an acronym in my head, so I could always remember it. The Miss and Disinformation Governance Bureau. <laughs> the Ministry of Truth is what it's called. It's called the Ministry of Truth. Uh, and, and now we have this in the Department of Homeland Security because disinformation is actual political speech used by uh, foreign entities to bring in um, more or less... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. But when a country brings in their own, like they lies, I can't think of the word. Propaganda. Yeah, that's it. So when a government, when they try to infiltrate with with lying propaganda, they we would consider that disinformation when it's brought into our discourse. So like what the Democrats did in the 2016 election. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Wow. So like you know if there was if. If there was a laptop that may have gotten left somewhere, and if it did contain information that a president may or may not have received certain funding on behalf of his son from foreign entities, if that happened, which I'm not saying it did, that may have swung the election a little bit. (laughs) But since it didn't happen, and it's just Russian propaganda, as I've been told by Twitter, then it's all okay. There's nothing, nothing to see here. <laughs> or if maybe, you know, like the sitting president of one party was removed from, you know, a massive global social network that some people consider almost like a digital town square that may affect and sway the ability and reach of a person to 
communicate to the, the public. <laughs> you know what? We're not talking about that. We're talking about Steve Bainbridge's ex Bainbridge excellent letter to Justin Trudeau. But yes, I think Pops, you're correct. There does seem to be happening in other countries. I think you're you're absolutely correct. We were being facetiously sarcastic there, to be sure. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> Yeah, I think my point was just to like, you know, these things that go on with our brothers and sisters uh, facing these uh, hardships in Canada uh, because they want to stay true to Christ. They want to keep on meeting. They want to they want to challenge a government that is against them religiously. It's here. It's it's us. It's now. And um, this letter, maybe maybe someday soon we need to write a letter to our lesser magistrates in regards to how they're governing us too. That's, that was my point. I think you're absolutely right. This is, this is why we're having this conversation tonight because we need to have courage and what we need to have less of is the church conforming. The church need not conform. It must stand courageously. Our savior, our savior courageously went to the cross. It was not, it was not easy. It was, it was absolutely right. And he did what was absolutely right in face of what was not easy. He stood with courage to do the will of the Father. And the church needs to do the same. And that's what this letter points out. He basically highlights he basically highlights that that what the previous what the previous Prime Minister has had allowed was, quote, an open dialogue, not the monologue you, Justin Trudeau, demand. So he's he's comparing the fact that there was the ability to at least have open dialogue versus the monologue that is demanded by Senor Loves His Face monologue loving Justin Trudeau. It's almost like he likes tomatoes to be thrown at him uh, on the world stage. It's like, uh, I mean, I, we, we got sent so many uh, like links from, you know, what was he addressing? Like British, Brit- the, like the British people? He was over in Europe or something doing some sort of something. And, like, he was just getting, like, openly mocked. Like, there was just nobody there when he was speaking, and then everybody came in and just made fun of him. It, it was a shame. Uh, it, it was a shame. And it's 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 exactly the type of power play that, that all liberals and progressives try to do, especially because they try to control the narrative. And that's where you get the monologue. You don't get the dialogue. We, we, don't, we don't play politics anymore. We strong-arm media wings into, well... Propaganda and disinformation. The, the the irony is thick. The irony is thick here. And I think I want to point out here the po- the reason I able to sharpen the the clear reason behind biblical uh, frameworks for how life is lived to the fullest is because I have to constantly deal with arguments from uh, Marxism and atheism and progressivism. Wait, did I say the same? But anyway, but I, I, I have to constantly deal with these arguments because they they are they are shoved prominently into the public discourse, um, whereas they do not understand why I'm trying to rationalize points because it's not a part of the framework they have to live in. Uh, we saw this week as Elon Musk has uh, purchased Twitter. Uh, they still have, it'll still be probably two, one or two months before they even finalize all the details to it, and it actually is you know, once again, private, but even, even the freedom that has happened just, just so he doesn't overreact to any particular person at the company, um, in being able to communicate, but 
but yet constantly we're hearing interviews and we're seeing people tweet how they're just going to utilize the mute button. Well, again, you're still tunneling yourself into this, this echo chamber, this monologue where you're not hearing any other dialogue. You're still just getting your ideas and your ideas are bad. You have bad ideas and you can't make them better when you can't sharpen them against other arguments. You can't adjust them. And I think it's, it's, it is, it's an obvious point of contention. Uh, against against Justin Trudeau, whose police viciously removed peaceful protesters from in front of their Capitol building because he didn't feel like actually just simply having a conversation, just a dialogue would have sufficed, opening up the doors to actually communicate. He instead chose chose the tyrannical move of of a, of a dictator police state. That's what he that's what he chose to do. So. Yeah, he chose he chose snipers on rooftops and police siphoning gas and diesel over dialogue, which is just absolute insanity. I mean, when it comes right down to it. So well, you're saying that because you live in a civilized, free country like America. Civilized. <laughs> Didn't you see the January sixth riot? <laughs> what do you mean civilized? Uh, I- to bring it to bring it back a little bit, I mean, we're talking about courage, um, and Pastor Bainbridge, I think, did a great job in addressing what needed to be addressed. Um, you know, I don't know whether Trudeau's ever going to read this, ever see it, ever even have be impacted by it. But you know, our our dialogue is um, how should we, as believers in Jesus Christ, true believers who love Jesus, who love who love the Scriptures. Who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit? How do we how do we have courage to interact with our uh, our government that's supposed to be providing for us in America freedom to worship? And um, I think as we talk about courage, and we're going to get to conformity in a little bit too. I think there are definitely some things that need to be said. Yep, definitely some things that need to be said out loud, possibly in a letter. But also, if we have to go park a bunch of trucks up there on Capitol Hill, I think it's what we got. I was thinking about buying a tractor and trailer just to be the protest. You know what? You know, buy it cheap because they will confiscate it. <laughs> yeah, don't over, don't overdo it. But we'll wrap it in carpe fide if you want to get that up there on the lawn. We'll, we'll get it <laughs> letter it in carpe fide, park it right on the White House lawn. That sounds fantastic. Not uh, on the White House lawn. There's a fence and snipers and a lot of oh, machine yeah, guns. I'm a landscaper. What just am I just on about? the street outside, it'll be fine. Oof. Just on the street outside. Yeah, there's some really beautiful old trees there. We yeah, can't, you the can't, the plants. Too. Oh my gosh, you can, what you, what's wrong with you? I'm what were you sorry. thinking? I'll repent. <laughs> repent is accepted. <laughs> well, apparently, I have assumed deity and I apologize. <laughs> it's my fault. Um, but then I want to move on to the point where he, where, where Reverend Steve Bainbridge calls him out for using Christianity. He, he cites this explicitly. He says, quote, that, that Justin Trudeau was using Christianity as political leverage because of your incompetency to govern, which I found to be a poignant statement, and uh, I, 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 had to, I had to kind of agree uh, with the statement. Um, there, there certainly was a progression in the political pushback over, over particularly the last two years. And I'm not saying that since it has this hasn't gone on for longer than just 2019, the previous four years preceding were definitely a progressive state. We saw a lot of kowtowing to uh, different uh, religious organizations, 
you can think of ISIS. Uh, there was kowtowing towards Muslims. I believe they passed an anti-Islamophobia bill uh, in Parliament. Yet there was still his. He still has had rumors of how he was saying that that Christianity was uh, was a drain on Canadian society. Um, and and this is all happening circa 2015, 14. Um, 17 these there's there's reports coming out that there's it definitely has gone on before but particularly focusing in in 2019 um, I don't know uh, Jesse did you see a lot of reports of uh, mosques being confiscated and imams being thrown in jail did you uh, not many no I, I'm not aware of uh, I'm not really aware of any actually that's curious uh, I feel like I, I saw you know a lot of churches being fined um, and and seized and uh, and pastor, I saw some pastors uh, get thrown in prison. Did you did you catch any of that? I've seen a thing or two. I wonder how many people got charged with the vandalization of these buildings and properties too. And there's a lot of vandalism going on too. Man, I, I wonder if equal weights and measures will be used. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and doubt that they own equal weights and measures up there in Canada. I don't think they have any of them. I think they measure in those kilograms, and they can just uh, they fudge that a little bit there. All the kilograms are all on the one side. <laughs> There's no equal weights. I never did understand the metric system. The metric. Yeah, this is what they say. Well, we got a gram over here, and then over there, there's a whole kilo of grams uh, over there. That's how the weights and measures go, eh? <laughs> you need to apologize to your Canadian brothers and sisters. Oh, come on. They're all laughing right now because it's funny because their government did evil, and they, are, they would want to call them on it, too. So let's call them out. Call them out. And that's what... Look. Steve doing a good job of that right now. <laughs> He's doing just fine. Well, I think this letter is great because, you know, the battle for the battle in Canada is still going on. I mean, um, there are lawsuits. There's 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 gonna be there's gonna be a lot of money fined to pastors who stood up for Jesus Christ, kept their doors open in accordance to the scriptures. So the battle's still real, even though the news cycle's kinda like left them way behind. So um, I think this is good to kind of keep this fresh. So we as believers here can pray for our brothers and sisters who are still under the thumb of Trudeau. Yeah, and and one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes from this it was it was a little bit too long for the post that we made about this uh, when it came out, but he says like your actions are you actually your actions show that you are willing to rub shoulders with Muslim Buddhists Hindus and even those outside of your religion such as the LGBTQ movement uh, LGBTQ two which I don't know what the two is do you know what the two is well, I just think it uh, you know LGBTIAMNOP QR. It just got too many letters. So it just went two. Oh, wait a minute. I think that's one of my security things for one of my. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that exact. One of my bank accounts. I've got that exact code on my luggage. Yeah, it's got capitals <laughs> in it and a and a number. <laughs> right. We just need a special character. Um, anyway, um, that would be Trudeau. <laughs> and, <he laughs> and even those outside of religion, such as the LGBTQ two movement, and work with them, but not Christians. Even though you do not agree with all their views and policies, you show that you have a hatred for Christians, which disqualifies you from representing all Canadians. Ouch. You have been accused of saying that, quote, Christians are, the, Christians are the greatest threat to the future of Canada. Perhaps this allegation has some truth based upon your actions. It's just a scathing, it's just a scathing recounting of things that, um, you know, Trudeau has done and allegedly said. And, I mean, if you, if you look at the people in his government, um, they're made up of... Um, all, all sorts of people, but there is a specific hatred of Christians um, that that Trudeau and the rest of his provincial premiers seem to be carrying out against Christians specifically, and we've we've seen that um, even just this past 
uh, week with uh, the uh, the Tim Stevens trial as well. I mean, it's just absolutely one-sided. It, it is not. There are so many kilos on the one side, and there's not enough ounces on the other. Well, I think <laughs> I think that if you look, history would bear out that every tyrannical government is counterculture, countercultural to true Christianity, not the conformity in Christianity that kowtows to government. I'm talking true Christianity is countercultural to tyranny in any form. So that statement is absolutely true um, in, in, in Bainbridge's letter. The only thing I can think of is when Christianity, well, no, that's not true. Not, not biblical, true Christianity. I mean, uh, religious, religious Christianity mixes with, um, monarchical rule rule we see that never ever 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 goes good because what we've what that does is it 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 blurs the spheres that god gave it's it it blurs um those different um realms of rule uh, that god gave the the smallest form being the self governance and then he gave the family unit and and then he uh calls his people uh which we which we refer to now as the church he calls and then he calls the government. And when you blur the lines between those spheres, when the church and government become merged in some sort of monarchical rule, which did happen, it did have uh, some some pretty big issues. But but that did definitely turn into what I would call uh, totalitarianism, uh, religious totalitarianism, um, in a in a very disgusting way because it didn't actually uh, promulgate cr- true Christianity at all. It it sought to instead some sort of religiosity, some sort of fake spirituality, uh, and it it led to uh, suffering. But that always happens whenever totalitarianism creeps in. Uh, Other than that, and I can only think of, I don't think of many times that has happened. Um, But then you also can see that also happen another way when you think of things like Sharia law being affected onto countries. It's again uh, a religious top-down totalitarianism uh, that that wreaks devastation upon its people. Um, So totalitarianism in general does that thing where it it links up in some ways and excludes others and because of its totalitarianism if you get on board with with it it works and and you can stay inside of the 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 haves and if you're the, on the outside of that you're just you're done uh and right now the world is definitely trending in a direction that has um it has a lot to say against christian worldview against the biblical framework in which we are to live and move and find fullness of life. Uh, and it definitely <laughs> is counter to that in every way. <laughs> I can't think of a way in which it's like, oh yeah, no, that's a great idea. We should do that. Um, but there's definitely a turning too. I don't want to, I don't want to sound all doom and gloom. I, I think there is a turning. I think, I think, I think that the chaff and the wheat have been sifted. Uh, and I think that, that, that the Lord is ready to send the workers into the fields and 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 reap harvest. And I, I don't want to I don't want to sound doom and gloom because I think that's really happening. We were talking last week to Joshua Kreese, and I think he he said it ac- accurately when he said um, that that the whole COVID pandemic was one of the greatest things to to happen to the church in our generation because um, it it affected people to actually take seriously. Uh, their life and call and walk with Christ. And amen. Amen and amen. You know, when you were mentioning the, uh, I guess, the chaff and the wheat, um, I, I, there's part of me that believes our, our 
our brothers and sisters, the, the ones that you've bumped into over this last year, year and a half, and have grown to love and pray for and, and interview in, in, in your podcasts and just become friends with um, on the front line in Canada. Um, you know, I think what we saw in Canada was, um, you know, the, the, the chaff blowing away, and it was a lot of it. And the wheat that remained wasn't really a lot in my mind from what I understand and what I can gather. Um, but I'll say it this way. As, as I was talking to one of our, our growers of annuals this week. He does a really good job in growing. And um, Oh, is that? do you have something to uh, do with plants? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little oh. bit. Um, I popped in one of the greenhouses where we buy our annuals from, you know. Yeah, New Jersey so. just legalized marijuana. It doesn't have anything to do with... Uh, no, no. My, oh, green, no. my greenhouse does not have any of it. Not um, that kind of greenhouse. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I was talking to one of our growers. He's a, he's, he's a little grower that grows annuals, but but he really ha- he really does a great job. So I pop in and I pick his brain and he's ha- he, he was having difficulty with this one type of of annual um it, i guess generically you would know it as a sun patient okay and in, all right a new guinean patient is old school and then oh, they okay. have this new sun patient thing that the patient that does well so, and he he he's not happy with it and he and i said well what what is it why is it not performing well for you all right and and he says you know what it is is the breeders of the seed don't have the seed pure yet there's still too much um, bad seed in with the good seed and that bad seed when it grows alongside the good seed makes the good healthy plants weaker with disease with infections uh, and, and I'm like are you crazy are you, you're pulling my leg he goes nope it's absolutely true and that's what I was thinking about when I saw, you know, when I think of the Canadian church now, and I think, I think, I think of James and Aaron Coates I think of Pastor Stevens and his church you know Jacob, you know, I, all these guys and all these churches that stayed open and stayed true to the word of God, the, their wheat, the chaff is blowing away. And those wheat seeds, that, that crop can now be strong. And the people who are coming and getting saved and baptized and joining the churches are, have, have a pure, strong, healthy growth. So that was just a little application in the landscape world. Nice. I like that. And I mean, and you're, and you're absolutely right. They are strong and they are growing. I mean, I've never seen, I have never seen in the past year so many baptism services announced by all of these mm-hmm. churches. I mean, it just even in our local context of South Jersey, I mean, it, there's, there's nothing like that. I've never, ever, ever seen a church do multiple baptism services in the course of six weeks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's just crazy. And it's, uh, but it's beautiful. And and I think you're absolutely right. And and so this next generation that's coming up, Lord willing, will be such a such a fiery force um, for the gospel, um, like this generation, like many in this generation weren't. And that is why Trudeau says that Christianity, tr- and he means true Christianity. He's not talking about all the conformity. He's talking about those who stand up and poke the bear in righteousness, that they are a danger to to him. Yeah. Did you say Trudeau or Trunero? Trunero. Oh. Oh. Oh, nice one. It's, it's, and you know, you know, it's not that they're the greatest threat to the future of Canada. 
They're the greatest threat to the future of Trudeau's Canada. Correct. To the World Economic Forum's Canada. To Klaus Schwab's global elitist Canada. That's what they're a threat to because they stand opposed to those ideas which will promulgate suffering for the most people. They want life and life to the fullest for all people. That's what they want. The truth of the gospel to go forward and the the good moral standards of God to be held high by their leaders because it will flourish for the country. Mm-hmm. You know, when I read read Pastor Steve's letter to um, the most honorable Trudeau, um, <laughs> um, I, I lost my thought there in my... Uh, but, <laughs> Um, I, I appreciate the pastors. I appreciate the churches who stood up and they literally, and, it's, and this is a little segue, but they literally said, come and take it. Mm-hmm. And the government's trying to come. And in some cases they took it, but they didn't take it because what happened was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right. More true believers were added to the church in Canada because of it, because Amen. of the stand, you know? And you know what? Every, I think everybody right now listening right now, if you don't have a come and take it pulpit shirt, you need to buy one from Carpe Fide right now and get fired up again because it's coming our way, guys, gals. It's coming our way. Yeah, I mean, there's only really there's only really one thing to say to about say to that, and that's just preach it, eh? You know? <laughs> yeah, preach it. You know, while you still have a pulpit, that's the whole idea. <laughs> and don't don't you, they should be taking that pulpit with you attached to it, Pastor? If you're going to stand up there and give the word, you'd be holding on to that pulpit. You're not taking it. This is my. You're going to take me with it. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, uh, back to the letter. Doesn't want to miss some of the things he's he did say. Did have more to say here. Uh, in it, as as Elder, as Pastor John just mentioned, pops, Elder John. I don't know. What do you call, call me? Him. What do I call? I him? don't even. Know I call what, you. Pops. I don't even know what I am. Pops. Um, <laughs> he said uh, in the letter, "You have been accused of saying that quote Christians are the greatest threat to the future of Canada. Perhaps this allegation has some truth." based upon your actions. He's calling out the actions of Trudeau as the reason why Christians are a threat to this this Canada, his Canada, because his actions stand directly opposed to the 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 preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is literally trying to stop it, squash it, squelch it, take the church, take the pulpits, take the pastors, rob the people of any glimmer of actual truth. The only pastors that were free to have their online services, virtual baptisms, and and uh, uh, metaverse interactions were those that were willing to cowtail to the whims of the government and, and pervert what God has called the people to do in his word to meet, right? To, to actually meet in ecclesiology, to gather together. To be the called out ones. He was stifling that. And the pastors that were willing to go along with what he was saying, yeah, no problem. We have no problems with you. You know what? Maybe we can maybe we can find a little bit of that what, that eighty million dollars he promised to to the, the Canadian broadcast company. Maybe maybe we can funnel a little bit of that over to the Gospel Coalition in Canada. You know, they're doing a good job there promulgating those our ideas Ooh. too. You know, maybe Ouch. we can you know, maybe that'll be on the next the next platform for the Are Liberal they still Party. A thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think Carpe Fide crushed that. <laughs> we wouldn't know. We've been blocked. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, I forgot. That's why I haven't heard about them. As far as we know, they don't even exist anymore. <laughs> oh, so so sad, but 
ain't that true, though? <laughs> oh, that's a good man. Oh, boy. That's great. And that's coming from, you know, one of the one of the four prime ministers of Missio Day Church. <laughs> the the pride. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. We're just going to call him one of the four horsemen in Canada. I mean, Josh, Josh Kreese, he's beautiful. Beautiful man. Well, that's something you said. So we're gonna, just going to dive right back in here to the letter. Uh, he's coming. He came in, coming into the close here. Uh, he he said early. This is a quote from the letter. Earlier in the pandemic, you publicly declared that this is a war and Canadians need to prepare for the fight against COVID. You even used illustrations from World War One and World War Two. However, sir, may I say you are no Robert Borden. And you are certainly not a William Lyon Mackenzie King. Why do they have four names? Gee whiz. These two men who led and made decisions that respected the integrity of all Canadians, unlike you, who used Canadians as a tool. And that is so true. He, de- he was using the fear he could drum up, as were many leaders, which it's just so, it's just so amazing. I, I, man, this is going to bother me right now. We were just watching... We were just watching a movie, and the, the one of the political authorities in the movie said, "We'll use fear. Fear always works with people. We just we just make them afraid. They'll do whatever we want them to do." And it's like, my gosh, it's everywhere. It's always it's just always been. You can't read a classical dystopian novel without saying, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly what they did." He used fear to to make Canadians his tool, his tool of promulgating his ideas and creating his echo chamber for his view of what Canada must be. And it was wrong and it was evil. And he could certainly not claim to have led people through a war. He he could only claim to have led people through the the fear mongering of his own making. So anyway. That's what that's what does what he did, um, and I think this is a wonderful picture, uh, a wonderful picture in courage, a courageous man trying to communicate courageously. Um, at the end of the letter, he does offer to him uh, not simply to resign. He says, "Quote: I am not asking that you resign, but I am simply asking that you would grow up, recant, and make a public address that you made mistakes, and it's time to move on and end this nonsense." If you can't do that, at least be brave enough to step down so that our country can begin the process of healing from your disastrous terms as a federal leader. May God rule from sea to sea, Psalm 72, verse 8. Uh, and I, I, I want to say, I want to say, there's always hope for repentance for leaders. I, 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 God is far too big and miraculous to limit his ability to work and move. So I, I do I, I do love the ability here for repentance being offered. Just repent. Repent from the foolish leadership you have given and turn again so that we can begin to move forward. And if you're not going to repent, uh, then, then you must move out of the way so that we can begin to move forward. You can't continue to hold ideas uh, in a way that you're going to be a totalitarian tyrant and think Canada will still stand. 
You know, one of the things Steve ends his letter with is Psalm um, 70, what is it, 72, I think, so mm-hmm. verse 8. Yep. Um, and I looked at I looked that up because I was like, wait a minute, it does say C to C if I recall, and it does. And then I was, I was reading a little further. It says, may, may he, this, this is actually a Psalm of Solomon, and it's subtitled the reign of a righteous king in my in my uh, scriptures and verse 8 says may he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth this is speaking to how the righteous king should should um should reign let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies listen to this lick the dust this is not soft words let the kings of Tarshish and the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. And listen to this. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. The afflicted also and him who has no helper. And he will have compassion on the poor and needy. And it goes on from there. This is not Trudeau. This is not in any way, shape, or form, a righteous leader. This is a tyrant, and he's being addressed as such, and I appreciate that in Pastor Steve's letter. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing for, for our American listeners is that it's it's often uh, cited as a, one of the main mottos of Canada is is that is exactly that verse from, from C to C. Um, it's, it's a Canadian motto, and it's, it's ripped from the psalm. And what what Pastor Steve uh, Bainbridge did was just infuse that with actual meaning and objectivity and glory and beauty, um, because Justin Justin Trudeau's Canada will not be reigning from sea to sea, um, but our Lord and Savior will be reigning from sea to sea in in all nations one day, um, and that's that's the reality that that needs to butt heads with uh, Trudeau in his heart. Um, I almost feel like it's a it's a Pharaoh Moses kind of kind of thing where it's just the, the heart is just so intentionally hardened against this um, that you know even we down here who have only really been interacting in the <clears throat> in the Canadian current event slash political sphere for a, a year now we can see this so blatantly and obviously that what um, you know Steve said was true um, but yet Trudeau can't seem to pull his head out of dark places to see it for himself. And that's, that's a shame because all that does is hurt Canadian people. Yes. And yes. And amen. Um, and, uh, that, that Psalm does indeed carry a lot of meaning. Uh, God has a lot of judgment for, for unrighteous rulers. And I think uh, I, I, I know, and I bear this weight as a pastor. Um, and I, I feel all the more, uh, because I do not believe that that this will this lands this type of judgment lands solely on pastors. Certainly, it does. For tending the sheep of God carries with it a tremendous weight. But to a lesser extent, there will be those who 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 were called to lead and led unrighteously, people to 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 lies and death and and um, all forms of evil. And I don't I don't think they should they should think <laughs> they should think there's no hope. Uh, there's there's no there's no judgment for them. There there's most certainly judgment uh, coming. So they should they should wise up. I think the call to repentance at the end of the letter is perfect. From a oh, do you have you want to jump in there? You have you have more to. Okay, I, I think transitioning is is great. Yeah. You know what? You I should. I want to get to conformity. Can we do conformity next? Yeah, let's conform. I want to conform. Jesse, why don't you transition us? We've done the Billy, but now yeah, we get Billy. to the Tim. 
And the Tim, if you have not guessed it by now, is Tim Keller. So um, Tim recently posted again about politics for whatever reason. And ironically, he said, I recently wrote about how churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. The replies I got show that many American evangelicals have no coherent understanding of how to relate the Bible to politics. And I just wanted to point that out as, as we begin to discuss uh, this post, because boy, isn't that statement just so true of the post itself. It is it is just a, a wicked <laughs> irony that, that this American irony. evangelical has no coherent understanding of how to relate the Bible to politics. Um, and so as we <laughs> as we transition from uh, Pastor Steve's wonderful letter and address, um, it, it makes me think of the title of uh, of James Coates's sermon, directing. What is it? Directing government to its duty, I believe, mm. um, which is which is just a perfect example of doing exactly just that. Um, we get to this post, this morphe blob. It's like a shiny pool of gook that is just room temperature, and you just like poke it, and it jiggles. It's just there. This is a post of nothingness, and perhaps one could even say that um, if it is a substance at all, it is just um, a bad substance uh, to begin with. So. Um, that that's our transition. Well, that was one heck of a transition. I believe the substance you just described was slime. And uh, well, you after know, you know this, this is, I do feel slimy. <laughs> this is the picture I got. You know, in, in, in Yosemite National Park, you know, they have uh, all these geysers and all that kind of stuff. And there's some pools of, and they look like so, so inviting. They're beautiful, turquoise. More turquoise than the Caribbean, uh, you know, beaches. And they're just beautiful and bright colors, oranges and yellow, and they're so inviting. And you know what? If you wanted to swim in them, you would boil alive in acid because that, you know what? They look great. And you know what? Oh, wow, wow. But you know what? Don't go in there, please. And that's what this is. This is, this is the conformity we're talking about in my mind. Get Real Darth Vader, real fast, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, uh, picture, Jesse, picture I have no father. C- Christian Hayden there, just, just. I hate you. <laughs> remember when you showed that to your little kids, Jesse? Your little poor little babies. Yeah, I didn't remember that scene at all, actually. Oops. But boy, they will for the rest of it. <laughs> Daddy, what's happening to Anakin? He's paying for his sins. <laughs> you were my brother, Anakin. <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness! Oh, know, anyway, back to all right. We're out of Star Wars. Back Sorry, into, get out of the national park. Anyway. We just have we have some listeners that love Star Wars references, so we're trying to appease everybody here. Shout out to Rich! <laughs> all right, so Star Wars reference is done. Let's dive into this uh, acid pool. Um, I just want to start off with the first the first sentence. I recently wrote about how churches should should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences, and I want to start off right off the bat. Can I make a correction? Oh gosh, go ahead. It wasn't Yosemite; it was Yellowstone. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yes, get your national parks right. You, you, you. Um, the first thing I want to say: uh, Christian churches, churches, churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. I want to jump off right off the bat here and get some get some ground rules. All right. Polity has its root in the word, same word for public. When we talk about things that are political, we're talking about things that have to do with public life, things that have to do with society. That's what we're talking about. Um, and and I'm I'm going to I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here, and then I'm going to jump up and down. And I'm going to say, you know what, this limb is pretty strong. This limb can support some weight here. Um, there are issues we should divide over for the sake of public life and society. I'm going to go ahead and do that. 
like um like <laughs> like uh like what some of the Canadians did as far as uh keeping the church open. Yeah, I think that uh, yes and amen. That's going to take why don't we why don't we jump into some of the biblical norms here? He uses as examples. I guess that kind of leads us into into that portion. Um yeah, thank you. Uh thank you Jesse for that segue. Um he didn't like his replies, and uh, if I were him, I would probably just stop talking if I didn't want to hear the replies. Uh, he says, here are two biblical moral norms, okay? So right off the bat, he is going to define these as biblical normal moral norms. Here's what he says they are. One, it is a sin to worship idols or any god other than the one, he misses that word, the true god, uh, the one true god. Uh, that would be Yahweh the great I am. And two, here's this other biblical norm. It is a sin to marry someone of the same sex. And I want to just qualify that. Um, it is, it is not, uh, just a sin to marry someone of the same sex. Uh, biblically it is a sin, uh, to, to practice homosexuality. That is, that is the sin. Um, and, and it is loving to say that that is a sin because, um, we shouldn't sin sinning is not what God calls us to. He calls us to live holy for his glory. And we only can do that through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's love. That's kindness. Um, but yes, um, I guess if you went past the, the original sin and, and then connected it to marrying, sure, but you've already confiscated, you've already, you've already obfuscated what God has, has said is, is, is sinful, but sure. This is his premise. These are the two biblical norms, right? He then says, if you ask evangelicals, if Americans should be forbidden by law, to worship any other God than the God of the Bible, they'd say no. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they'd all say no. I think some of them would be like, you know, I mean, probably a good idea. Maybe we should. <laughs> all right, fine. So he says no. All right. The next, the Engazon says, we allow that terrible sin to be legal. But if you ask them if Americans should be forbidden by law to marry someone of the same sex, they would say Yes. And again, you have to go back to the obfuscation. The obfuscation is marrying someone of the same sex is a sin. No, no, no. Homosexuality is the sin. That's that's the actual sin. Uh, marrying them is not just not just um, them sinning. It's actually legalizing their sin. They're, we're legalizing. We're putting it into legal writ of law that they should be able to sin and sin forever using something God made, namely marriage. Is that, is that, is that, you follow that logically? Does that make logical sense? You just sound like one of them post mills. Oh boy. No, no, no. Let's no, no, no. Let's not, focused let's here. not, let's not focused. do this. We're not doing that. We're not doing that tonight. What I'm saying is that by codifying sin, you're doing, by, by saying um, that they should be free, that by saying that, that they should be forbidden by law to marry someone of the same sex. We're not doing, no, no. What we're saying is, Marriage is only between a man and a woman. We're not forbidding them from. We're not. We're not. We're not. I got. I'm messing it up. If you ask them if Americans should be forbidden by law to marry someone of the same sex, they would say yes. Yes, that's correct because we're not forbidding them to be homosexuals. That's the sin. The marriage is actually codifying sin. So yes, we're saying we should not. We should not codify sin. Codifying sin is what destroys a nation every time because righteousness exalts it. Begin codifying sin. And you have you've walked past the biblical cliff. You're now over the edge. That is why you don't codify that. Mm-hmm. Am I alone? Am I alone on this? I can be alone. It's fine. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I agree. 
All right. That's why I'm sad. <laughs> so he's so by obfuscating the original sin, he's actually tried to walk us into something like, oh, well, we don't say that. I'm going to talk like Tim Keller. Oh, well, we don't say that it's a sin to wow. worship idols or any god. So we shouldn't say it's a sin, you know, for same sex to marry. We, you know, we we can't do one and not the other. I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Wait, I'm so sorry. you were trying to talk like Tim Keller then? Yeah. Was I sounding like your somebody? Your Trump was better and your Trump stinks. No, I wasn't so trying to actually. I don't know what that says about your color. I wasn't trying to sound like Tim oh, Keller. Oh, oh, I, I thought I was trying you were. to do a caricature of someone oh, who is oh. has been so long okay. in the tooth that he now thinks he can say things that aren't mm-hmm. correct and people should just okay. accept them. Um, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Um, maybe his, maybe, I don't know, retirement caused him to to lose sight of of truth well you you had a good point earlier when we were before we were going on this podcast well you you t- say your point again of what what you kind of think is maybe the well mindset. i think when i think he was a he he had good biblical exposition in many instances to make practical applications personally to individuals but i don't believe he he ever really had to make the application in a broader societal context i don't think he ever made those those lines try to connect um and i guess there's a hardship when you can you know teach through the prodigal son uh and have lots of good practical personal applications i guess that doesn't translate when you're trying to understand how we should then live god's word out into the culture i guess there was a disconnect there i don't know i don't know why um, maybe, maybe counseling was his strong suit. Uh, maybe, maybe he lacks the ability to see the larger picture. Maybe he can't read the paradigms. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe being able to read the times is not something that he was able to, he's able to do. I don't know. Um, but if, if it's not something you're able to do, then you really should stop, <laughs> stop trying to do it. I don't know. Just don't do it. One, one of the things that struck me is reading, reading through this, um, this post, as well is um, before he retired, and and you know, I've never been to Redeemer. I, I I can't confess that I know the ins and outs, but it seemed like he um, and Redeemer Church had a strategy that they wanted to uh, change New York City, um, and they they had a strategy that they wanted to go forth and change New York City. And I guess what one of the things I'm kind of confused about is um, this 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 post here kind of kind of throttles back from anything that you would need to confront a person on in a biblical construct that we would believe from the scriptures in any type of political format. Um, he seems, and I don't, I, 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 I don't know how you can have a strategy to change a city and not enter into things that are political because the things that are political are the cultural hot points that are, anti-scripture so it seems to me if you have a strategy that you want to win new york city for jesus christ and the sake of his church wherever you fall post pre or whatever jesse um you are going to have to butt up head first to politics and that's why i kind of don't understand this post in in that light either so oh, we can continue so he says now why make the first sin legal and never talk about it and the second sin illegal and make a main political talking point there are many other biblical morals we don't make law either why oh that's a great question <laughs> why here's a question i have for you let me ask you this question timothy keller why why would it ever be acceptable for a disciple of jesus 
to seek anything other in political law than the moral laws that God gave? Why would you seek anything else in politics? Why would you fight? Why would you why would you fight for anything other than God's standard? I don't understand. If God says, I have given you all you need for life and life to the fullest, why would you let a society live out anything that is contrary to what that is? Why wouldn't you be fighting for exactly what that is? Uh, there's, there's a, there's a definite, there's some def besides the fact that he just jumped up on Nary's little bucket truck there and rode that cherry picker all the way to the top to pick out two little things he would like to talk about, uh, which is fine. Hey, you can pick whatever ones you want there, buddy. Uh, but don't lie about what the first sin is to just to make your point. Um, the, in God's law, there was no issue with homosexuals marrying under the theocracy of Israel because the issue was taken care of very clearly if you wanted to actual, actually practice homosexuality. The uh, the law was quite simple about that. So it wasn't going to lead to marriage. Let's just, let me just say it that way. So th- th- you already cherry-picked that one out. Now that you're, now that you're already, now you're already arguing for the codifying of sin, which is, hey, you want to argue for that? That's fine. Just don't think you can establish political unity over that. You can't establish political unity over that. And I don't want to have political unity with you over that. I don't want to have Christian unity with you over that. I don't want to codify sin. I don't want to destroy. I don't want to destroy the nation that I live in. So, no thank you. How dare you! (laughs) Oh, shut your dirty mouth, Greta. (laughs) Um, You know, every... I, I don't I think in here I don't no it's not in here it's one of the comments that I read uh, on this on this thread oh yeah the comments are fire oh uh, the car and, and but it, every election cycle for the president you know um I always I always fall back to the verse in scriptures that 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 tells me flat out easy peasy what lifts a nation up and I always ask what lifts a nation up righteousness righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people that's what the scriptures say so if i'm going to vote for somebody who am i going to vote for i'm going to vote for someone that upholds the righteousness what righteousness not their own not mine i'm going to try and find somebody that's going to match the righteousness that's outlined for us in the scriptures doesn't that make sense it makes sense to me is that going to happen Flawlessly? Nah, it's not. I'm going to try to do my best shot to get the one that I think is going to uphold the scriptures in their righteousness, as it's described, the best. So this right here is telling me we don't have anything to do with politics. We can't even go there because we're so screwed up. No, we're not. We're not screwed up. We're not. We live righteous lives and it exalts a nation. And we want our leaders to do the same thing. Every believer that is serving in, in Congress, in the Senate, in local municipalities, I applaud you and I want you to uphold the righteousness of God. That's that's the way it should work as a believer. Amen. Amen. Um, in the same, I guess in the same vein, in this idea of needing to exalt righteousness, he says, at the very least, it shows a lack of knowing how to apply the Bible to politics. <laughs> You, you're going to take a stab at this one, huh, Timmy? All right. <laughs> Since we can't simply say, if the Bible says it's sin, it should be illegal, how do we choose which morals to politically champion? And please don't say, I just want to see the Ten Commandments made law in society. That's too simplistic, and we don't do this already. 
Mm. You know, I just want to say, for those of you who are studying biblical law, the Ten Commandments are uh, paradigmatic. They are not exhaustive. We live in an exhaustive law system where we have to have a detailed law for everything. The Ten Commandments were meant to be paradigmatic, which means thou shalt not murder. Well, that also includes uh, just simple violence in against your brother. It was a paradigm in which to live. And from it, we could actually ascertain reasonably with the God-given reason that we 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 have from him as being a Magadei, we can reason and ration uh, other other things that are obviously um, wrong. From thou shalt not murder, um, we we can intuit from God, right? That He is the only God, and you should have no other gods before Him. Well, that means a lot of things. I mean, you see in Isaiah forty four when we shape and fashion what happens. What happens when we shape and fashion gods out of other things, things that we make, things of the earth, things that are man, right? But so. Yeah, we Ten Commandments would be a great place to start, in my estimation. I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't start there, but it's too simplistic, and we don't do this already. Well, just because we don't do something already doesn't mean we shouldn't repent and turn and back to exactly what we should be doing. The Bible tells us, he goes on to say, the Bible tells us that idolatry and ignoring the poor are grievous sins, but it doesn't tell us exactly how we are to apply these norms <coughs> to a pluralistic democracy. It doesn't? Uh, well, one, I don't live in a pluralistic democracy. I live in a constitutional republic, and the Constitution was not founded under pluralism. Uh, the Constitution was founded under the biblical framework of a Christian God, because without it, you would not have liberty. Religious freedom only exists with it with Yahweh, just to be clear. Uh, you, 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 don't have, you don't have freedom, personal autonomous freedom, apart from Yahweh. And our founders were explicit. This was not a joke to them. They said it with their words. It's everywhere. Well, I mean, just to, just to play the devil's advocate for a second. I mean, so, you know, were the founders right or wrong in allowing religious freedom in America? Uh, the founders were correct in allowing religious freedom in America. But Tim says, thou shalt have no... Oh, well, Tim says the Bible says that, the, that thou shalt have no other gods before me. So why don't we make a law against that? Uh, the founders had no intention of allowing certain religious practices to go on in our country. And uh, I didn't actually have, wasn't prepared to argue this, but I have lots of quotes. Um, perhaps we could do that one time. Um but they, they did allow, they did communicate clearly to uh, the Jews that they would be able to operate. Um, they communicated to definitely many different sects, sects of Christianities, Christians of how they'd be able to operate. Um, but they, they, also had, they also had some strong feelings towards what Roman Catholicism did. They had a lot of strong feelings towards the Nation of Islam. And you know what? Um, uh, they, 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 there was no inkling in their mind that there would be temples to Satan in America. Um, and I can I can say that pretty pretty emphatically. Did you want to go further down that? Well, I mean, functionally, what's the difference between um, a temple to Satan and a uh, Jewish synagogue? The biblical framework uh, in the Ten Commandments would actually be the same for the Jewish synagogue and what I read in Exodus in my Christian faith. But they they reject Christ wholeheartedly. 
Yes, but they accept the God that establishes the framework of being able to live and move inside of that religious freedom. They still worship this. It, it, is Jesus God? Wow. No, no, no. You're missing the point of establishing the culture. <laughs> you're missing the you're you're arguing you're you're, you're arguing past me. Uh, um Well, I mean, this is the point that Tim's arguing. I was just trying to find a, a good answer for it. The pluralistic society that has the same god isn't a pluralistic society. When you have the same god inside the framework, you're working off of the same laws. Do you understand how you understand how that works? Uh, he in order to have this pluralistic society, you can't have the same god functioning with the same laws that's not pluralism <laughs> you need to have other gods bringing in other laws to have that pluralistic society truly be pluralistic gotcha okay i'm just trying to unpack that in a rational way i don't know if i'm getting it you weren't before but i think you did now oh thank you for helping me to clarify it then it was just needed those clarifying questions i apologize for any of my in my error my error in being Oh, this is what happens when you podcast with a moron, so. <laughs> Why don't you go Whoa. quietly in the corner and beat your head with the hammer? Whoa. Get the carpet feet a hammer, beat Where's your head, head. Beat your head. Bong. That's right. Thank you. That's how hard his head is, if you heard hammer, that. Dude. Yep, it's that hard. That you Really, his head is amazingly thick. Uh, by the way, he said we don't know how to apply these things to a pluralistic society. Yeah, we do. Uh, some of those things we absolutely, it's very, very simple. Very, very simple. Um, like this, he says, we are to help the poor, but the Bible doesn't tell us which political strategy, parentheses, high taxes and government service versus low taxes and private charity, end of parentheses, to use. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, you're emphatically uh, wrong, and you should seriously consider stop speaking about these things. The Bible in nowhere calls for uh, the poor to be cared for, as you, I believe you said previously, uh, the, that ignoring the poor is a grievous sin. Yeah, the Bible tells us exactly how to do that. Yep, it does. Uh, it calls it calls the church, uh, the Christians, to be charitable in their giving, to count all things in, that they own as God's, and to worship Him with them. Uh, in fact, the Bible doesn't mention high taxes at all, and also being indentured slaves to the government for your needs. Nope, that's not a thing. I believe it says something about working in the Bible. Yeah, I, th- I think if you slap on over to Second Thessalonians three, I think that you've you get Paul talking about uh, exactly how we should behave in terms of uh, wages, compensation, uh, in terms of um, being busy rather um, than busy bodies, I believe is exactly the type of phraseology that he uses. So it, it, it does fly in the face of a generally applied welfare system. And the beginning in the beginning of Acts, if you look at the beginning of Acts, we see the church... Um, selling property, um, giving giving to all as any had need. That's radical generosity. That's not high taxes. That's not government compulsion? That wasn't like some sort of communism? Boy, I mean, if it was in the text, I sure have missed it for a really I long time. I think that time. was the Democrats back then. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the early church was the Democratic Party before it flipped. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that in Acts chapter 2 where it said, and Karl Marx's manifesto doth say... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like that cheeky little bit where Jesus was like, you'll always have the poor with you, but uh, you won't always have me. So let's focus on this right now. <laughs> it's just awkward. I, I, can I, I, historically, in America, um, the, America. the poor, the un, even the unhealthy were cared for by the church. And we have lost, totally lost that and abdicated all of the responsibility, not all, but abdicated a large part of the care of the poor and needy to the government. 
We Christians have done that. There is a hospital in Philadelphia. It's still there. It's called, and and this is no jab at 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 Pastor Keller. It is called Presbyterian Hospital. <laughs> okay, now just let that settle in. This is the thick. this is the call of believers. We take care. We take care of the poor. We help them because we want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that simple? I mean, isn't that in the scriptures? Isn't that the way it, the government is does will never do the job that we who live in the perfect law of liberty in Christ can do? High taxes leading to government dependency is not biblical. It's evil. It's disgusting. Daddy government was never supposed to. That's not the call of government in the God's word. And for him to even imply that shows that he lacks biblical understanding for these societal issues. And he should really consider what he posts on social media. What about the part where Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's? And the things to God, you know, the things that are God's to God. What about that? Where does that fit in with this? What is God's? Well, I also think you need to understand the context of who he was talking to. A bunch of fishermen that had to fish to pay their taxes, and they've left God out of it, right? Because they were so busy and so hard and worked so hard. But wait a minute. God calls you to do things. And part of what God calls us to do is take care of the poor, to take care of the unhealthy, to help them see the love of Jesus. Anyway, I'll get off my high yeah, horse now. And his government existed to actually wield the sword of real the sword in righteousness, God's righteousness against evil. That's how it was supposed to exist for. Mm. Yeah, that's wow. right. I read Rome I've read Romans thirteen. <laughs> anyway. I've read I've read Peter. <laughs> Can I say something else too? Go ahead. All right. There are people that know Jesus Christ because of Redeemer be uh, church, because of Tim Keller's preaching and teaching so it sounds like we're coming down hard on him but it's just this article that we're we're, we're kind of like right i did clearly say questions. that i, so I, I just wanted I, to I bring it back enjoyed to his teaching okay. on the prodigal son oh absolutely i mean it's annoying that i have yes. to pay for all of his sermons but i mean you know i have his books i, I there's yes so it <laughs> feels real article. money changerish <laughs> i don't know about I mean, I had to pay a dollar ninety nine for his sermons, but hey, whatever. You know, depend. And it was it was a good one. Then it was like four ninety nine for that sermon. That was a good sermon. He really spirit was laid thick on this one, so it's a five dollar sermon. Oh, but I mean, the prodigal son teaching was really great. Yeah, I, good, I loved it. Stuff. I'm not even saying that. What what I'm saying is, he needs to not speak on things if he's going to speak unbiblically on them. He goes on to say, the Bible binds my conscience to love the immigrant, but it doesn't tell me how many legal immigrants to admit to the U.S. every year. And that's just obfuscating and dancing around having to deal with a real issue that actually has implications for what God has given. God lays the borders and territories of all nations of all times. He has appointed people to every place. And and for you to just ignore that, like, well, I don't know what we should do. Like, it's not, it's, you're acting like it's simply, oh, this is just open-handed. That's, that's incorrect. That is not a biblical idea at all. And Israel did have very clear standards on how they were to handle immigration and how they were to handle the alien and the sojourner. And if you go back and read them, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm certainly sure Tim Keller is not ready to implement any of those points. He goes on to say, the point is the Bible doesn't tell me the best political policy in regards to immigration. No, but it does tell you a lot of things about how you can rationally understand what immigration might look like and also how to care for the immigrant, Tim. Yeah, but it's also care for the immigrant as a believer in God. Not as the, right? 
Well, I mean, so, but, but the Bible, the Bible does speak a lot about immigrants and immigration. It, it does. N- the Bible does not condone illegal immigration. It, it, it never, it doesn't. So, so for instance, when, when Moses and the, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they would approach a nation as they were passing through and, and inquire as to whether or not they could sojourn in the land. This was common practice. And if the king said no, they didn't be just like, oh, well, you know, it, it's a human right. <laughs> you know, that they said, oh, okay, I guess we'll find a different one to sojourn through. Like, like so the Bible can actually provide a lot of clarity into different things. And the, the beautiful thing is that when we're talking about politics, when we're talking about American politics, when we're talking about Republicans and Democrats, he mentions Republicans and Democrats in, the, in this post, is these people have platforms of clearly communicated goals um, that we can then examine to see if they align more or less with biblical principles and when they don't. And I, I am sorry, and I know that we're going to talk talk about this perhaps for a few minutes before we close, but I am sorry that we cannot, as a Christian in good conscience before the Lord, stand with any party that says it is perfectly okay or even a, a human right to murder another human being regardless of where they are just because they are inside of a womb. It is morally reprehensible to do such a thing and to think that someone could possibly align like Tim Keller has by his voter registration with a party that says that that is a that is a human right to do is morally reprehensible. I have many words to say about that. I'll give them mic. There are so many words to say about that that there may nary not be very nary be enough time this evening as we are already uh, probably about an hour 10. Um <laughs> He closes saying that the current political parties will say that their policy most aligns with the Bible. And I would have to disagree wholeheartedly they on do? that point. Really? I had no idea that. This is happens. what he says. That he says, wow. quote, the current political parties will say that their policy most aligns morally with the Bible. For who, for what? What are you talking about, dude? Democrats do not say that. They couldn't care less about the Bible. They're like Trudeau. <laughs> didn't AOC say that just the other... No, no, I guess she didn't. No, no, she's, uh, she, she, li- I missed where she was at church and she said that. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous, this is a ridiculous claim to make unless he's trying to equate, and we have a whole episode on this, unless he's trying to equate worldly kindness with Christian kindness, but it's not the same thing. See, worldly kindness wants high taxes and government services without ever addressing root causes. Christian kindness wants to all wants to love you and meet some needs while meeting root causes because meeting your needs and throwing money and things at something does not fix problems. And so, no, that is incorrect. That is not correct. Nor do these parties claim there are many people on the Republican side of the aisle that do not claim to align their policies with the Bible. As there are a majority of politicians on the Democrat side that would not say that, for they would fear rep, rep, fear reprisal from their base voters. Yeah, and we're we're the first to say. I mean, you guys have heard you guys have heard us say it before that we we don't want our God's name on someone who is just using it flippantly. That goes for Democrats, that goes for Republicans and Libertarians and all sorts of people. We don't like posers here on the Carpe Fide podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll, we'll sip that chef out. We'll sip that chef right out. We'll toss it up and burn in the fire. Burn up, burn up. That was the, that was the sifting. The sifting. Way to sift, buddy. You sifted that nicely. Wow. Um, he says, but we are we are allowed to debate that 
And so our churches should not have disunity over debatable political differences. Exclamation point. He yelled that one. He put an exclamation point. Let me tell you this. You know what's not a debatable political difference? Let me give you one. Let me give you one. It's called abortion because it's murder. And it's not debatable. And it's not even a political difference. It's just sin. And it's evil. And if there is anyone, I don't care what party they are, that, that supports that, you cannot vote for them because you are voting for someone who desires the women to have the right to murder their children. And I don't want to allow a woman to do that because it does not make her life better. It does not. And it will only keep more sadness, depression now, and if not, eternal judgment on her that I wish her to, to forego. And to codify that into law is to codify murdering the Imago Dei millions of times a year. And so, no, I'm going to have to say, sorry, no. Well, that's that concludes another episode of the Carpet of Here he goes on to say, I have also never told anyone they should vote Democrat or Republican. Depending on the policy, we can find more or less alignment with biblical morals. And I guess what he meant is, depending on the policy, we can find less and less alignment with biblical morals. That's probably what it means. I believe all Christians should be active in politics. I believe that you should probably not be active. Like, no, I don't. You know what? If you're going to be a Christian that's going to be ignorant of what God has called us to do in his word, I don't want you to be active in politics. You don't need to be active in politics. First, be active in God's word and knowing him and what his standards are. Yeah, Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, be active in, in the little things, you know, like reading God's word, believing it to be true, you know. And acting out on it. And acting, yeah, Mm -hmm. doing what it says. Doing it. Ooh. (laughs) He says, I believe all Christians should be active in politics, but it is unwise to identify Christianity with any particular party. (laughs) Then he gives, he gives, he gives this qualification. Please discuss the principle of why we have synchronistic picking of morals to be laws and and keep current policy debates at bay in his comment thread. That's what he wants. I just say that quarter turned real fast and it did not work. (laughs) did not listen to him Mm. because it turns out political decisions, public decisions must be formed around a biblical framework. They must be. And so there will be deep division if you're going to form it around an unbiblical framework, a deep division. Unless you don't care about the biblical viewpoint. There you go. And churches, a lot of times, will bypass that. I even know churches that preach the gospel very well, but they don't preach righteousness when it comes to daily life, which includes how we vote, how we live civilly, among our fellow man. It's just the truth. Yeah. I mean, some people would rather listen to Tim Keller slime than, you know, actually follow what the Bible says on things. And it's, it's a shame. I mean, I I was looking at the ratio, right. Of likes and and things. I honestly expected way more laughing reacts to this. And it's a shame. I mean, it's, and I think it only has like, it's got 10, it's got 10 laugh reacts. It definitely deserves more. You know what? Let me just fix that right now. Okay, eleven. It's got a laugh reacts. It's just like it's it's so tone deaf. He he keeps reposting the same article that he wrote in twenty eighteen. Um, you know his opinion piece for the New York Times: How do Christians fit in the two party system? They don't. 
Uh, and I would say that's absolutely true because at least one of the parties supports wickedness, child murder, uh, and probably demon worship. So, I mean, <laughs> and I'm not saying that the, and the thing is, is that to say that doesn't mean that I think that the conservative parties are Christian parties. You you can say that one certainly isn't without saying that the other one is a Christian party. It's not a right. Christian. This isn't. This is. We're not. I'm not playing that game. But but you can you can look at the platforms. You can open your Bible and read it, and you can come to conclusions on this. And there are right and wrong conclusions. We don't have to play this this you know amorphous middle ground where things just don't mean anything to anybody ever. Like like. F- figure it out figure it out eh yeah <clears throat> in our country we have a long tradition <clears throat> excuse me of uh what was considered uh national days of fasting and um and particularly they occurred around high events one of those one of those events uh was election election day was a day to actually fast and hear sermons uh, in in our country long ago. This uh, was something that has ceased. Uh, although I probably would encourage us to strongly consider it being something that we actually take up again. Uh, we should feast probably for two weeks before every election, so that the spirit might fall down on this country. Uh, might be wise and good. You said to feast two weeks before the election. To feast for to to fast. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Amen to that. You got no, my vote. One one letter changes that entire word. <laughs> fast two weeks before the election so that the spirit might fall on this nation. There, I said it at the right time. Here's a here's a quote. This comes from one Jedediah Morse, who is considered the father of American geography, but he was also the actual father of Samuel F. B. Morse, who was the inventor of the telegraph, from which you would hear Morse. Do you know what his daughter's code. name was? Dot. Oh. <laughs> oh man, dot dash dash dot dash dash. That's actually how we had kids. The sons were dashes. <laughs> anyway, Jedediah Jedediah Morse, his his father, uh, was a Congregationalist minister, um, and in 1799, he preached an election sermon during the day of fast. Um, and here's a quote from that: "The kindly influence of Christianity." We owe that degree of civil freedom and political and social happiness which mankind now enjoys. All efforts to destroy the foundation of our holy religion ultimately tend to the subversion also of our political freedom and happiness. Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican form of government and all the blessing which flow from them must fall with them. And it is that type of thinking in which the nation of the United States was founded and, and the incredible, um, the incredible moral and historical incompetence to think the codifying of blatant sin into law and, and to play some sort of conformity game with politics as if there is not an explicit uh, need for Christians to be involved in influencing biblical paradigms and frameworks is foolish and dangerous and is quite literally, as Jedediah Morse said, the undoing of that very culture in which you live. Hmm. And we would be we would be wise to take that to heart. Amen. Preach, eh? 
Yeah, eh? Uh, I think I think that brings us to the close of another episode of the Carbia Fide podcast. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. So go ahead and drop us a comments on the Instas or the Facebooks or the Twitters. Uh, also, um, you know, grab a, also grab a come and take it pulpit shirt. Yeah, you need one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right now we yep. are <clears throat> we're using that shirt to uh, to leverage uh, some funds for. Um, the Liberty Coalition in Canada who's still mm. doing great work to fight awesome. uh, to fight uh, for liberty and freedom in policy type decisions ironically yep. because we just talked about that yeah, this episode right. yeah way, doing way better than Tip Keller there eh? <laughs> uh oh uh, so yeah if you'd like to uh, you know push back against the conformity of some pastors and <laughs> go ahead and help them <laughs> so you can grab a, a pulpit shirt which we, we're, we're doing that because we've, we have communicated with James and Aaron and Grace Life is doing very very well mm. we are thankful to God to have, to have been able to support them uh, but they are doing well. Also, you can uh, support Jacob Rayom up at Trinity Bible Chapel by going ahead and grabbing um, a uh, wow done time uh, done time t-shirt. That's right. The uh, the most most of my heroes have done time t-shirt on our website as well, which is awesome. And um, I'm trying to think. There was another one. We still have the awesome abolitionist, uh, yeah, abo- abolitionist shirt up, one is awesome. which is a really cool shirt mm-hmm. for abolishing abortion. We've mentioned that this episode too. Uh, so if you want to head over to the Carbon Fide shop, you do that. We also have a lot of, we also have several shirts discounted right now. I mean, we have some, we have some deals where if you buy multiple shirts, you get a beanie. Shoot, you get a wall flag. I mean, we got, we got Whoa. deals going on. Yeah. A free wall flag with your order of shirts, please. Also, the shirts are incredibly comfortable. They are. I sleep I'm in them. Literally wearing one right now. <laughs> Forget about it. There's no deals like these deals. <laughs> hey, you come to me on the day of my father, my daughter's wedding, and you bring this request to me. Oh, the shirts. <laughs> you can make an offer. They won't refuse. Oh my gosh, we gotta stop. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carbon Feeder Podcast. Oh. At the end of every Carbon Feeder Podcast, we like to encourage you to seize, seize the, the faith. faith.